Welcome back to another week of the Brazos Sports Preps Cast. I'm Alex Miller of the Eagle, joined always by Abigail Ochoa, our favorite yeah. high school sports reporter. It is week 12 of the high school football season. We've got small schools, 1A to 4A. They're starting playoffs this week. We're talking about the playoffs, Abigail. Yeah. It's already that time. Already that time. <laughs> but and on the flip side, we, we've got some – we got some 5A, 6A action to break down, but we'll also be joined by Mike Lucas of KX Sports. He's going to join us for a small school playoff preview. We're going to look at the biggest games of the week, and we're also going to detail who we think might be some state contenders and some dark horses here in the Brazos Valley. But Abigail, first, uh, let, let's, let's focus on 5A, 6A real quick. Let's recap right. week 11. So – we we got to start with College Station. They had a statement win over Lufkin. The first time that they beat Lufkin, third year in the row, they played them because of district. And the Cougars, they were consistent, took a 24-7 lead at halftime. All-around effort. Abigail, you were there. What did you see from the Cougars, and what does that win do for them? Oh, it does so much. I mean, I, I, every coach always says, you know, one win at a time. You know, what, no win is more important than the other in the regular season, at least. Um, but this was important for, for College Station to get. Not only have they lost to Lufkin the past two years, um, you know, since they, they got in the same district, but, you know, this is a year for them to do it. I mean, they, they've been on a roll. This is their third game, I believe, um, that they've won straight since coming, you know, they had a bye week before, which really helped them, I think. So um, this was a really big win for them. Um, you know, Lufkin obviously has a great team, and, um, you know, we weren't quite sure how this game was going to go, but College Station really came out of the gate early. Um, you know, the first two series, you know, not, not that great. You know, each team went, you know, three and out, I believe, or something like that. It, it, it was kind of a slow start. But I think once College Station gets going, um, once their run game gets going, they got Huff warmed up a little bit. Um, good things happen for them. They they started, I believe, they had like four, four, three or four possessions in a row where they started in Lufkin territory. Um, so, you know, that not only brings in your special teams is obviously doing something right if that's happening. Your defense is stopping them, you know, far enough back. I believe Lufkin started twice at their own eight-yard line. Um, and the defense kept them there pretty much. Um, so it was really an all-around effort. Um, I know, you know, sometimes the games can maybe seem like, you know, maybe the offense is coming in or, or the defense is kind of winning it for them. But this, this game was really everybody um, kind of showing up and, and doing things for them. So it, it's exactly what you want to see in a win um, and, and, and a win that they, they really needed, I think, um, just confidence-wise. Um, after having lost to them um, the past two weeks. I mean, yeah. Two yeah, and, you know, we, we talked to Scott Clendenin last week, and he noted how important a win would be for playoff seeding. And you, you look across – Highland Park played Longview last week. Highland Park won. Um, the three teams at the top of that district, McKinney North, Highland Park, and Longview, all state contenders. And – with a win, College Station has the one loss. But with a win, College Station is still in contention for that district championship. And right now, you're kind of looking at playing for a, at least a two seed 
But yeah. if College Station could get the one seed, I'm sure Coach Huff would be a little relieved not to have to play one of the three of McKinney yeah. North, Highland Park, or Longview in the first round, um, especially especially on the road. And, you know, if they're going to have to play one of those teams, you know, if they can get that two seed, that'd be big for them getting a home game. Um, so that that's something to, big picture-wise to keep an eye on as we move forward. Um, let's look at AM Consolidated. They yeah. came back with a big win over Montgomery Lake Creek. You know, kind of like we talked about Rudder last week coming off the loss to Huntsville. AM Consolidated coming off the lo- loss to Huntsville. How would they respond? And the Tigers left, no doubt. They were up 35-0 to zero at halftime. Keyshawn Thomas had a breakout game, so a, a really good win for Consol. Yeah, uh, you know, Thomas kind of came out there. Um, he had, All of his touchdowns, I believe, were 40 yards or more. Um, really good to see kind of, you know, if Sutton Lake maybe has an off week or, you know, uh, is maybe a little tired of running, they got another guy to do it for them. So that's that was really um, good to see. I think maybe the biggest thing to come out of that um, was kind of seeing that. But, um, man, they had a great first half. Uh, I, you lead – 35 to zero halftime feeling pretty good. <laughs> I, I mean, you need to win this game after coming off of Huntsville and, and, um, you know, Lake Creek. Um, so it, it was a really good win for them. I wasn't sure how it was going to go only because, um, Rudder can saw, um, you know, they both lost to Huntsville, um, almost in similar ways. And then they, they both play Lake Creek, obviously Lake Creek, um, you know, really came in and, and really scored like on, on almost every possession with the rudder. Um, so it was really good to see A&M consolidated kind of shut that down. Obviously they weren't, their defense, um, it, it, you know, we've talked about it before. You got big guys on there. You have really tough, really got uh, veteran guys who are, who are able to do stuff. And I think we really saw, we really saw the, you know, the, the progress in that this week. Um, and the good part in having having those veteran guys on defense. So um, it was a great win, you know, um, seemed like pre- pretty easy. They were at home um, and, and uh, you know, definitely something they needed, obviously going into the streak and the rest of the streak. Brian Vikings, they had a back and forth, neck and neck game with Colleen Shoemaker. They led at one point and they at halftime and unfortunately for the Vikings they couldn't keep it rolling there in the second half they lost 42 to 30 they had three interceptions but they couldn't stop the run uh tough loss for Brian coming off the big win over Belton yeah they were outscored in the second half 21 to 6 by Shoemaker and we talked about this before the second half they you know the second half troubles it it continues um and I think it's just going to really be about, I think the rest of the way is going to be really about honing that in and really trying to get that big lead in the, and not even a big lead really um, in the first, in the first half, but just something that you're able to kind of grasp on for the second half. Um, You know, I don't know if they're getting tired or or what's kind of happening there, but um, we saw it again this week, Uh, but still a great game. I mean, we talked about last week, if if Brian was able to even keep up with Shoemaker, um, it, it would be good either way for them. So they were able to prove that. They didn't lose by much. They only lost by eight. So um, still pretty good. But it seems like um, when their defense is kind of down, the whole team's down a little bit because their offense can. Their offense has been pretty consistent this week. Um, they got good and back. Um, so 
I think it's just about honing in that second that second half. You really got to come in with the same amount of um, you know strength and and you know as you did the first half. But um, and, and they also had a lot of penalties. They had 118 yards in penalties, so we got to watch out for that one. Um, I don't think we've seen much of that from them this season, so I wasn't too worried. Maybe it was just a, a fluke week, but um, yeah, that second half um, really needs to to come together. Finally, Rudder, uh, not a good sign for the Rangers last week. They were looking to make their first playoff appearance in school history, um, but they lost 45-22 to to Montgomery. That's their third district loss. And so Rudder, they're kind of in a position. They, they've, got to, they've really got to win the next three. Um, that, that Rudder defense wasn't able to slow down the Bears. Um, and, yeah, that, that's just a tough loss for Coach Ezar's team over there in, at Rudder. Yeah, um, I think this week we saw really both sides of the ball kind of struggle a little bit, whereas I think in, in some of the losses it's, it's been either or, and mostly the defense um, has kind of struggled in district so far. So now now we're seeing the offense not put as much – not put as many points on the board. We've seen them struggle a little bit more. I think Keith Ron Lee, I, I don't know how many yards he had, but it – Certainly wasn't like what we saw in the beginning of the season, um, so which means Ezar is not getting to him as much. So um, I think it, it it's uh, it's kind of all around. And right now, I think for Rudder, it, it it was just another disappointing week, um, and not something that you want to see. Obviously, a district when you had high hopes of making it to the playoffs, they still have a chance to do that. But you know, they have full share. Um, Anim consolidated and Lamar consolidated left. Um, Gonzales, that's going to be a big game. That's right after Thanksgiving. That's going to be the deciding factor for Rudder, I think, if it if they'll be able to finish the season with three wins. But because um, that's not going to be easy, obviously. Um, but yeah, it, it, it wasn't a good sign for them this week. All right. Well, coming up next on the Brad Sports Preps Cast, we're going to be joined by Mike Lucas breaking down playoff preview. For classes 1A to 5A, or 4A, excuse me, 1A to 4A. So stay tuned. All right, welcome back to the Brads of Sports Preps cast. We're joined now by Mike Lucas of KAGS. Mike knows the Brazos Valley high school football scene pretty well, and so we invited him on this week's show to get his take on some of the small schools as they head into the playoffs. So, Mike, how are we doing this morning? I'm doing good. It's Wednesday. We are about 36 hours away from playoff football, but also away from like week seven of 5A and 6A football. So my mind's kind of in a jumble. And after talking to a few coaches this week, uh, trying to find stadiums to play these playoff games in has been a headache. And it makes our travel to shoot these games 10 times worse than usual. So I just wish we were back all on one schedule again. Yeah, Mike brings up a great point. So we've got 13 area playoff games this week, and we've got games Thursday, Friday, and even Saturday. So let's run through them real quick. On Thursday night, we've got Dimebox and Calvert. They're playing here and Brian at Allen Academy's Bakerfield. Navasota, they're hosting Austin Achieve Thursday night. Anderson Shiro, they're taking on Hughes Springs Thursday night in Athens. Uh, Centerville, they're playing Holland. Thursday night in Riesel and Leon and Thorndale they're playing Thursday night in Rockdale and then finally Franklin they're playing Van Vleck Thursday in Waller 
On Friday, we've got Lexington versus East Bernard in Columbus, uh, Rockdale versus Columbus at Conroe's Moorhead Stadium. Here at here in College Station, Normandy, the Panthers trying to keep that undefeated streak, undefeated season going. They're playing Thrall in the first round at Cougar Stadium. Hearn is playing Grapeland and Trinity. Bremont, the Tigers are taking on Mod over in Brownsboro. And then on Saturday, we got two games. Iola, they're facing El Dorado and Lano. And finally, we got Snook taking on Miles over at Austin Westlake Stadium. Unfortunately, let's start off on a sad note. Yeah. Their game was canceled against Cristobal. They were supposed to play Thursday night all the way over in Lano, but it was canceled due to COVID cases on the Burton team. And this is unfortunate because Burton went through a ton to even get there. They they went to that five-game schedule. They won, what was it, four or five games in a row. They beat Somerville last week on Saturday to just make it to the playoffs in that fourth seed and then – Kind of all for nothing, unfortunately, for, for Burton. That That's real. That's a tough way to end the season. What's crazy is they won their final three games in an 11-day stretch, and they outscored their opponents by 127 points in those three games. So not just was Burton winning games, Burton was rolling towards the playoffs. And maybe my favorite part about this Burton team, they stunk in non-district play and early in district play. And then Coach Hody, an offensive genius, said, we can't throw the ball. Why are we trying to throw the ball? So they completely changed their offense from a spread to a wishbone offense, the old slot T wishbone. And since then, they won four of their last five games, including handing Snook its only district loss of the season. They actually shut out the Blue Jays, and Snook is averaging about 32 points per game. So that was impressive. As soon as they made that switch to the wishbone, they were one of the better teams in 2A D2. And to see them win those three games in 11 days to beat Somerville in that de facto playoff game last Thursday, only to have it kind of come to a disruptive and uh, abrasive, abrupt, abrupt. I just, I use disruptive and abrasive. I want to combine that into abrupt end. It just sucks for those kids, man. If I was a senior on that team, I'd be so disappointed. Yeah, it, it, it's really tough. And, you know, we're already seeing that games are being canceled and, you know, I'm really curious to see how that plays out because it, it sounds like if a team can't play, then they're just going to have to forfeit. The only way that teams are not going to be able to forfeit is if they make the state championship game itself and then they can possibly delay it. So um, I'm really curious if there's going to be a time when a top team in the state, like they've got to cancel their game and then all of a sudden they're out of playoff contention. So that's going to be an interesting thing uh to keep an eye on here these next few weeks alex the the covid stuff is so unpredictable you look at the sec now where these teams are getting tested three times a week they are in what should be the most protective environment in non-professional football and they can't even control some of these outbreaks so on the high school level you know it's kind of just a crapshoot and i think it's 12 games already we've seen been canceled due to covid19 concerns in the by district round uh, I don't think we'll see that many as the rounds move forward just because there's fewer teams. But I think it's inevitable that at some point a top seed or, you know, a number two, three, four team in the state is going to have to forfeit a playoff game just because the numbers say there are more cases rising. And it's not necessarily positive cases. It's the contact tracing that prohibits you from having enough players to field the team. And that's what happened with Burton. They had one positive case, but with all the guys traveling on a bus together, their whole team was in quarantine. And that's that's the issue. Yeah. Well, let's let's get into it. So we, we're gonna we're gonna look at four games this week, four big games. 
Let's start with a Thursday night matchup down at the 1A level, six-man Dimebox versus Calvert. Dimebox is making their first playoff appearance in school history a year after playing the first football season for the first time. Calvert, on the other hand, they're a legit contender down at the 1A level. And But this isn't an easy first-round matchup for the Trojans. I, I'm really intrigued what we're going to see Thursday night over at Bakerfield. It should be good. Both teams have athletes across the board, which in six-man makes any game fun. I just think you look at a team like Calvert, an established contender year in, year out, versus a team like Dimebox, who you mentioned is playing just the second year of football. The experience of the Trojans and their ability to uh, call upon past, you know, past memories in these types of situations is just going to be too much to overcome. Plus, Calvert has played a few games at Baker Field this year, as has Dimebox, but I don't think there's any disadvantage in the, you know, playing on a neutral field site that, that one team's so familiar with. Yeah, you know, you mentioned um, Calvert, you know, they've allowed just 28 points in the last four games um, as well. Like you said, they have the experience. They, you know, they've been here before. They have the guys to do it. Um, Dimebox, you know, I don't know if they'll be able to overpower Calvert, you know, on Friday, but they ha- they have the – they. They have the defense. They have the the power to do it as well. You know, they started from scratch last year, um, you know, basically teaching these guys football, and then they graduated seven of those guys. So for them to be able to come back, um, you know, and go two and one on the season, I think is pretty great as well. But, um, yeah, like you said, Mike, I I don't know um, if they'll be able to get past Calvert, who's kind of been here, done that, um, and is doing great this season. Well, moving along, we got Leon versus Thorndale, 7 p.m. Thursday night in Riesel. The Leon Cougars, we know that they've got some fireworks, especially behind the arm of Jacob Robinson. They've got dudes out wide. They've got Tyson Kernett. They've got, they've got Tito Gonzalez. They've got, they've got dudes that they can throw to. But can they take down a tough Thorndale team? It, it's hard to score points on Thorndale. We've, we've seen that this season, a couple of these area teams playing them. Uh, what, what do you guys see in this matchup? I go back to the week two game, Snook versus Thorndale, the opening of Blue Jay Stadium. I was there. I was excited. And the game ended in a 6 nothing Thorndale win. The only touchdown came off a blocked punt that I totally bought shooting. It may have been the worst highlights I've ever put on FNL. But uh, that defense was legit. And I came out of that game saying, hey, Snook's got some athletes. And Snook's defense I was impressed with. And, and they actually got a lot better throughout the season. But that Thorndale defense is tough against some of the better teams that Leon faced. They struggled to move the ball, mainly Normagy. Uh, they did move the ball very well against Centerville and, and their first win over the Tigers in a decade. But I think, Leon, this is a game where you have a senior quarterback. You trust to throw the ball. You trust to run the ball. You put it all in his hands and say, hey, Jacob, you got us here. Let's ride with you. And, and if you can move the ball on this team, I think they got a good chance because I don't love Thorndale's offense. Abigail, what do you see in that game? Yeah, totally. I mean, I, Mike pretty much said it all. But, you know, they, they got a guy. They got Robinson to go behind. He's consistent. He, you know, he puts up big numbers each week. Um, I think if they're able to kind of ride and lean on him, um, you know, score early to get on the board fast, get, you know, maybe even a lead, a good lead at halftime, um, maybe they'll be able to stick it out with Thorndale and, and – um, you know, kind of take over. But, you know, like we've said, Thorndale's a tough team and it's going to be a hard one. Um, but I do think that if they kind of lean on, on Robinson a little bit, uh, they might be okay. 
Looking ahead to Friday night, we've got two big games. Uh, Lexington, they're playing East Bernard, 7 p.m. Friday in Columbus. Uh, Lexington, they soundly beat Clifton last week to secure that final playoff spot in the district. They've been in a couple of these kind of playoff-like games against Buffalo and Rodgers. They lost both of them, but they were they were real tight, That those one-possession games. Um, looking on the other side, though, East Bernard, they're on a roll. They're 8-1. and one. Their lone loss was to State Power Shiner. Um, th- this is not an easy matchup for East Bernard. That, that that's kind of a it's kind of more of a blue blood uh, down at the small school level. But we we all know what Lexington can do, especially with Jared Kerr. So, um, what do you guys see in this matchup? Abigail, you want to start so I don't steal all your points again? Oh yeah, <laughs> yes I can. Um, yeah. So uh, um, you know, obviously East Bernard they've won five straight. Um. We've seen what they could do um, last year. I think they only lost one as well. It, you know, one game the whole season. They they go to the semifinals um, last week. You know, their offense is really um, really doing everything that they can. They had 572 offensive yards last week, um, but then the, and eight scores with four different um, receivers. Whereas Lexington, I think maybe they they focus more on, on giving it to Kerr or um, you know having Springer do some things there but um so East Bernard has has a you know a lot of guys that also on defense wise they you know last week they had two sacks they had two interceptions um two fumbles and stuff like that so they're they're really pushing stuff too as well um Lexington like we've said we've seen them kind of push this season they had a you know a good start then it got rocky and then they kind of picked it up there got the fourth seed last week but um it's not going to be an easy one again um but you know but I think both both teams have the guys to do it. They have certain star power guys to do it. Um, but what do you think, Mike? Oh, I, I think I look at this Lexington team and the, the trajectory they've been on this season. They started crazy high. That, that game over Rockdale was absolutely insane. And Jared Kerr, you know, 40-something carries, 18 yeah. tackles. It took a toll on his body. And he missed a couple of games in the middle of the season. And I'm not sure if it was a particular injury or just rest for the postseason – and they struggled without him. He is 80% of their offense. They have other guys capable. Jeremiah Jackson comes to mind. Uh, their quarterback, Shilver, I believe his name is. I'm drawing a blank. But they have some other capable guys. But let's not pretend this offense and this defense doesn't run through number three. He sat out two weeks ago. They barely won. But they did win. He comes back. <laughs> they went a little more convincing fashion to secure the playoff spot. They're a four seed heading into the playoffs. That's not a four seed I would want to face. Because when they're at their best, they are a one or two seed. And East Bernard, they're good. I'd be lying to tell you I know a lot about them. But a healthy Jared Kerr makes this Lexington team a legit state title contender. And I believe he is healthy again. So I'm putting my eggs in Lexington's basket for this first-round matchup. All right, you heard it from Mike Lucas. Our last game to watch, uh, Norman G. They're facing Thrall, 7.30 p.m. Friday at College Station's Cougar Stadium. We, we know the storylines about Norman G. It's been an unprecedented season for the Panthers, but this isn't an easy first-round matchup against Thrall. Uh, what, what do you guys expect from Mason Hardy and co. Uh, this week over in uh, College Station? Um, yeah, I think we're just going to see them just, uh, do the same thing that they've been doing every week. I, I, I don't think they have a problem, or at least not um, one that you can really see offensively. Um, 
and, and you know, draw, I think, you know, they, they won four straight there in the middle of their season, but then they lost when it really counted against tough teams like Hearn, who also went undefeated this week, this um, season, like Norman G, um, Thorndale, who we said is a tough team, um, and Holland. I believe they lost to Holland as well. Um, so it seems like they were able to, to get a little um, confidence there with maybe um, not as tough defenses or, or stuff like that. But when it really came down to it later in the season, um, they weren't able to kind of come out with the win. And I think here it, it might be the same thing. It, it's hard to stop Mason and, and Isaiah Jones and other guys. And then you also have them going on defense and doing the same thing and leading the defense in, in the same way. So um, I think it's going to be really hard to stop them um, again this week. And, and But through all, really their challenge is going to be, you know, stepping up to the plate here and, and – uh, you know, it's a tough team. We've seen we've seen what Hardy and them can do. Norma G's pretty, and they've been really good all season long. And it's you know, class two A D one's loaded, so I'm not surprised they didn't hop into the rankings earlier. But they're averaging like 50 points a game, and Isaiah Jones might be the most single difficult matchup in the entire classification. He's six three, jumps out the roof, and he's actually might be a better basketball player than he's a football player. So that's the guy to watch when uh, when basketball season starts. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not just the Norman G offense. Let's give the defense some credit, too. That Panthers defense has been underrated because the offense has been so good. They just don't get the same amount of love because, you know, on highlights, what do you want to see, tackles for loss or touchdowns? It's, it's not fair to the defense, but it's just the way it goes. I talked to Coach Sitton on Monday, and he talked about Thrall running a little bit of a triple option, wishbone, funky offense. But they had that bye week that last week of the season, they didn't play last Friday. So they've had two weeks to prepare for it. So he felt pretty confident in his team's ability to shut that down. He also mentioned they hadn't made it to the third round of the playoffs or past the third round of the playoffs in quite a while. And this team and this class of seniors is as motivated as any he's ever coached to push the limit to what Normandy football can do. So I'd be shocked if we don't see a shellacking on Friday night. Yeah. Uh, I, I expect the Panthers to roll big in this one. All right, well, we've broken down the big games. Let, let's shift gears a little. Let's look big picture here. I want to ask you guys, who are your potential state contenders here in the Brazos Valley? And who are maybe a few dark horses, some three or four seeds that could really run the table and give uh, some higher seeds some fits here in, here in the playoffs? You want to start with dark horses or, or favorites? Let's do let's – do, uh, Let's do dark horses first. We'll, we'll do dark horses first. I know they're a one seed, but can I put Hearn in that category just because they don't get the love they probably should? The Eagles yeah. ran the table. They have multiple future – I don't know who this is, but they're getting ignored because podcasts come first. Uh, they have multiple future Division One players on that team. Anthony Jackson, a sophomore, has already gotten Pac-12 offers. Uh, Micah Smith's getting looks. The receivers are electric. And Coach Sargent and, and, and company have been kind of building towards this for the last few years. They've been close. They've been on the precipice of being really good. They just haven't had all the pieces come together. They've been more disciplined this year. Their line has been dominant. And as we see with AM, when you have a bad line, it's tough to score. When you have a good line, the whole offense opens up, and Micah Smith is as good as a passer, as you'll find in that classification. They just snuck into the Dave Campbell's top 10 in the final rankings. They came in at number 10. But I, I think Hearn has a legitimate shot to make a deep playoff run. The only issue for them, they might have to face Norma G in round three if both teams advance that far. And Norma G, I think, is in the favorite category for this, not a dark horse. 
Uh, but that third round game, if we get so lucky to see it, would be fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Bef- before we go a little further, I just want to I want to note on that because that was something I had noted uh, down at that two A Division one level. I had Normandy and Hearn as kind of contenders, and I noted how they could meet in that third round. I could easily see how the winner of that game wins the region, mm-hmm. um, and it, it's a shame that they only meet in the third round. That that would be a beautiful regional final game to get a bid to the state semis. But yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm not cheering for him to win, but if it happens, I, I would not be disappointed to see a Norman G versus Hearn third round playoff game. That would be very exciting to watch. Agreed. <laughs> Abigail. Abigail. Yeah. Well. Um. I, okay. So we're still on dark horses. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I know we, Mike. We talked. You know, we just talked about Lexington and, and East Bernard. Um. I do think if, if Lexington's able to get past East Bernard um, with Kurt in good shape after that, um, they, they're my dark horse right now. And the only reason why is because of Kerr. Um, they rely so much on him. And I think if he gets tired towards the end, you know, if they, if they beat East Bernard and then he gets tired later on in the playoffs, um, it's not going to really look good for them. Um, so I think they're my dark horse right now. Um, but if, um, you know, I have confidence that if, they, if they're able to show some stuff against East Bernard uh, this week, then they'll be pretty um, – they'll, they'll set themselves up um, pretty well, but they need to take care of her there. I second that. They, they were my second dark horse. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw in a dark horse. I'm going to say Rockdale, okay? So, Ironically, Alex, I don't mean to cut – that was one of my favorite picks, so go. Please. That was one of your favorites? Okay. Yeah, I, I only say they're a dark horse because they are a three seed. Um, traditionally, I wouldn't consider a three seed a favorite, so I'm going to go with them okay. being a dark horse. Okay, okay. Hear me out. So we know Rockdale; they've got they've got athletes. They've been there. They've done that in the playoffs. So I think experience plus athleticism, and if you get hot, that's a dangerous team to face. And I and I'm looking at the bracket. I think it's a navigable bracket when you look at it. Um, you know, maybe they have to play Lorena again down the road. They, they lost to Lorena, but Hey, you see a team a second time, things can change, get them on a neutral field. Things can change. I I see Rockdale potentially being kind of a dark horse there in that, uh, three, a division two level. Could I add one thing to that? Yeah. So first of all, I thought they were a two seed. That's why I put them in my favorite category. Okay. I had Hearn as a one seed. So I guess, I guess my whole dark horse favorite formula is is way thrown off but when Rockdale's on they're a top five six team in the state they just haven't been consistently on for more than two or three games at a time this season you know we saw them come out hot they lost the three in a row they won four in a row they lose to Lorraine in the season finale when this team is is clicking they could beat anybody hands down can they click at the right time now that's the question and they have a senior class that I know is extremely disappointed. They weren't able to capture that district championship last Friday. And, hey, if you don't get a district, what's the only thing you can do left? Just go on a state title. So I think they'll be uh, extremely motivated. All the teams in the playoffs are motivated at this point. But I, I would not want to play an angry Rockdale team, which is what I think we'll see in the playoffs. All right. Let's, let's look at contenders, okay? Who, who are a couple of contenders you see? Uh, throughout the Brazos Valley? 
I'll start. I think I think Franklin's a legit contender in three A D two. Since that early losing streak, they've been on an absolute roll. Coach Fannin has these boys playing fast. They're passing the ball more, which has opened up. You know, you could drive an eighteen wheeler through some of the holes that Bryson Washington and Cespedes are running through, and I think that's partially because teams have to respect even a semblance of a passing game now, and that defense just doesn't allow a lot of points. Buffalo's averaging like. 50 55 points a game. Franklin held them to 35. It's left in there. It's an average. I think Georgie is a legit contender in class 2AD1 as well, alongside her. In close playoff games, one of those plays goes your way, it's a game changer and a momentum changer. And sometimes you only need one play to give you that, that one extra possession, that one extra score. Uh, I would not sleep on Snook moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. I also have Norman G obviously up there. Um, I don't, how could you not at this point? I think they've kind of proven themselves. Um, I still remember that Bremont game in the first week. I mean, that really, I think they were really saying, Hey, we're here. <laughs> we're going to do this this season. Um, they have the motivation. They have the guys to do it. Um, both sides of the ball are pretty strong. So obviously they're on my list for that. Now, I also like Navasota. Um, now, I, I think it can get tricky for them there a little bit, um, only because, I, you know, I've talked about it before. They kind of wait till the second half to pull up and, and win a little bit. Um, they did it last week again against Giddings. Um, you know, I think it was like a one-second pass from Jesse or something, you know, something like that. So, um, but I really do like them. I think they're a pretty strong team. Um, I really like – you know, Jesse really leads them um, in that respect. And Darius Randall, and they, you know, they have the certain guys. So I, I like them as well. I, I bet Navasota wouldn't mind if, if they were able to make the third round, if, if they could play Cuero again. I know Cuero's a four seed, and they've got to play uh, a tough Geronimo Navarro team starting out. But I bet Navasota wants another crack at Cuero if they can get it. Yeah, and they haven't gone past area the past two years because they lost to Napoleon Heritage. So they're they're ready to get past that into that third round past that area. Speaking of, those, oh, go ahead, I Mike. Asked Jake is that exact question yesterday. How, how exciting is it to be in a region without Midlothian Heritage? And he <laughs> laughed and said, "Hey, you know, we'd love to get another crack at them, but trust me, I'm not complaining that they are no longer in our region." Yeah, yeah, they don't want to see them again. Speaking of contenders who would want to get another crack at a team, how about Calvert? Calvert's a contender, and, you know, if they run the table, they're likely going to have to play Richland Springs in that regional final, who has knocked out Calvert the last two years. Uh, you you got to think that Calvert, they, they want to get over that hump, but to do it, they're likely going to have to beat Richland Springs. I cannot tell you a single thing about Richland Springs besides they're very good at football. So I'm going to just ride whatever you say, Alex. I got your back. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to act like I'm a Richland Springs expert either, but I know in the playoffs, if, if you've matched up with teams several times, like you, you want to beat them. And I know Richland Springs is really good. I know Calvert's also battle tested. I, I'll be at Calvert's game against Dimebox on Thursday. I'm excited to see them play. You know, they played Borden County in that week one game in Borden County, they're, they're a powerhouse in the, in the division one, in the division one level. And so Calvert being able to kind of hold their own there shows me that they can play with anybody. And so I'm real curious 
how far this Calvert team could go if they're able to get past Dimebox. I, I think that's a tricky matchup for them. But, you know, I, I think Calvert is definitely a legitimate contender. Can, we get, can I give one more team a shout-out real quick? Yeah, go for yeah. it. Anderson Shiro, another four seed. And I know they've had a miraculous turnaround the last couple of years going winless in back-to-back seasons to making the playoffs now three straight. They've yet to win that elusive first playoff game. And I know Hugh Springs is good. I know it's a 4-1 matchup. But there are a lot of seniors on this Owls team. And they have been so close to making school history. They've made school history a couple times already. They've been so close to taking that next step. And when you have a senior-laden team in that situation, back against the ball, they know it's their final time possibly playing together. They know it's their last chance to accomplish the goal they've set out to accomplish since they were freshmen. They've come this far. I think they take that next step and uh, pull off the upset in the by district round. Speaking of Anderson, last week at the Eagle, all of us picked Anderson Shiro to lose. Well, then they go out and beat New, <laughs> New Waverly. Waverly. And shout out to the Anderson Shiro football account for the tweet of the week. They quoted yeah. our Pickham tweet <laughs> with the yeah. gif of Co- Coach Corso saying, "Not so fast, my friend." Bravo to y'all. <laughs> You know, <laughs> prove us wrong. Prove us wrong. A good win too. It was, was a very cool. good win. Yes. Waverly yeah. is a good team. Very well, yeah. So, so give Shiro some love. Yeah. So shout there out to go. Coach Hodges and Anderson Shiro, and best of luck to the Owls this week. Um, yeah. Well, good luck to all our teams. Just for the record. Good, yes. We good luck to all the teams. And this is such a fun time of year. Um, there's nothing like playoff football. So. Especially on a weekend with no Aggie football. This, that's very true, Mike. That's very true. Last right. question, what are, you, what are you cooking this weekend? What am I cooking this weekend? <laughs> that, that's to be determined. Um, I'm not sure. I'll, ha- I'll have to get back to you all on that, but you'll probably have to go to Twitter to see what, what I can come up with. <laughs> I'm just going to plug your Twitter grilling picks every time you're on a podcast with me. I, I don't care what it is. It can be the most serious topic. and That's how I'm going to end every one of our podcasts. I'm I'm here for that, Mike. I'm here for that. <laughs> all right. Well, I think that's all the time we got with Mike today. So, Mike, appreciate it. Uh, where where can people find uh, highlights on Twitter, and how can they watch FNL on Friday nights? FNL, we have highlights. We'll have about 12 games this week, 10-15 uh, Friday night on KAGS. And if you can't catch it then, follow me on Twitter. It's at KAGS underscore Lucas or my co-partner, uh, Justin, which is at KAGS underscore Justin. All right. Well, Mike, we appreciate it. We might, we might have to get you back on here in a few weeks to break down uh, some Anytime. more football. Anytime, my friends. All right. Coming up next, okay. Abigail and I look ahead to the biggest games at the 5A and 6A levels this week. All right. Here we go. Final segment, Abigail. We're previewing this week 5A and 6A matchups for our four local schools. We'll start with Brian. They're going to host Colleen this week. It's senior night for the Vikings. Colleen canceled last week's game against Coppers Cove. They're 2-3 and three on the season. So I guess the question is, can Brian bounce back? And if they can, can a win over Colleen set them up to finish district on a three-game winning streak? They've still got to face Coppers Cove and Colleen Ellison, who are at the bottom of the district. And that three-game yeah. win streak – probably puts Brian in the playoffs. 
Yeah, no doubt. I think they have a really good chance to do that as well, um, to get these three wins at the end. They're out of the woods. I mean, we talked about they had a rough go-ahead there. They have Belton Shoemaker, um, you know, all, all these tough teams that you don't want to play in a row. But they, they were able to do it, and they came out relatively unscathed. I know they had a couple of losses in there, but um, they weren't big losses. They weren't blowouts. So that was good. Colleen, you know, they played Belton and Shoemaker before, um, but their margins were – you know, significantly bigger than Brian was able to kind of stay with them. Um, Colleen lost 33 to 26 to Belton, whereas Brian only lost by one point. You know, then they played Shoemaker, they lost 45 to 24. Um, and then Brian last week obviously only lost by eight. Um, so, and they only beat Ellison, who hasn't won a game this season, by just a touchdown. So I think Brian, um, probably has the upper hand coming into this matchup and they look really good to, to kind of go three and out the rest of the way. Um, and like you said, Alex, that'd be really good for their playoff chances. So, um, I, you know, I think, I think it'll be a good week for them. And a note on Brian, they're three and zero at home this season. So yeah, Vikings go. got to like their chances over at Merrill green. Okay. Sticking with teams and Brian Rudder, mm-hmm. they're on the road this week. They're looking for that elusive first district win. Yeah. They're playing full sheer. It's a game they probably can win, even though it's an even matchup. Both have lost to eat both of the Montgomery schools. Um, both of them looking for the first district win. What does Rudder need to do this week to win? It's an uphill battle for the Rangers because if they lose here, they're probably out of the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. You, uh, the, there's no chance. If you're Rudder, there's no chance you want to lose this week. I mean, the, this is this is like do or die right now. Um, now, we'll share kind of similar to Rudder when you just look at their schedule. Um, they were undefeated in non-district um, coming into this tough district. Um, and then the, they lost um, they lost their last two games to Montgomery and Lane Creek. Um, so some, very similar to Rudder. You know, Rudder was undefeated. Uh, they were 5-0, and and then, and then they lost the last three. Um, or 4-0 and lost the last three. Um, but the, Rudder really needs to get – both sides of the ball and special teams, everybody needs to get on the same page. Um, right now, I think right now we're seeing them really struggle and not be able to connect. And, you know, if Ezar's not able to throw um, to lead, then, then that causes some trouble. It seems like they're not able to really run either. So um, I think everybody just kind of needs to get on the same page. Um, defense needs to really, um, I think, really come out and show their strength um, this week as well. Um, we haven't seen it too much. We saw it a little bit in non-district, a little bit uh, spurts here and there, but um, I think they really need to step up this week. Um, and everything just needs to come together for Rudder. They, they need a win this week. They need the confidence back. They haven't had it for three weeks. Um, and that, that's never good. That's rough, I'm sure. And consolidated. They're at Montgomery. Could be a shootout if the Bears game against Rudder was any indication. They've got two solid quarterbacks going at it with Bullfing and Kyle Willis. Abigail, what's the key for the Tigers here in this matchup? Yeah, the defense. I mean, uh, you know, we saw them go back and forth with um, Rudder a little bit there. They were able to score pretty much um, in the second half there. But, you know, they, they, like I said, Consol has the veteran guys on defense to do that. Um, they have the power there. Um, Montgomery, I believe they have five tackles or five touchdowns last week in the first half alone against Rudder. Um, so not, not really what you want to see. But if we remember, Consol also did that last week. So, you know, um, I think these guys are really going to go at it. 
um, Kinsaw has a little bit of confidence now that they, you know, they beat Lake Creek. It was a good win for them um, after Huntsville. So I think um, if they if they're able to stop Montgomery, um, you know, whether it be their pass um, offense or run defense, um, you know, Kinsaw I think offensively can stay with them. So I think really the defense is going to be important of kind of holding them back um, and stopping them on a few possessions there. And finally, we got the College Station Cougars. They're traveling to face Cleveland. College Station, they're about to hit a two-game stretch playing teams that haven't won this season. They play Caney Creek next yeah. week, who lost to Magnolia West 97-0 earlier this year. Yeah. We talked about yeah, that a couple yeah. weeks ago. Um, Cougars coming off the big win over Lufkin. You know, what? what's kind of important for College Station to accomplish this week, building off that win and you look at the next three weeks, they should probably win their next three games before that season finale against Magnolia West. That's going to be a big one. Yeah, Magnolia West, I think right now is that that's, you know, circle date on the calendar, kind of got it in there. Um, but they, they're going to have a good run here. I mean, they, they have um, Cleveland and Caney Creek, like you mentioned, who haven't won this season. So I think this week is going to be um, less about maybe putting – a ton of points on the board or, you know, I, I don't see college station coming out with the loss here this week, but um, I think it's going to be really important for them to kind of just focus on a couple things for the next two weeks before they go to Magnolia West. Um, you know, um, Huff, we've seen, we saw him last week. He was so much more comfortable with the receivers. I mean, they were connecting well, um, they were moving the chains. So um, I would love to see that a little bit more um, run game. Obviously we saw, you know, when Brown and Collins um, are strong, we saw what they could do. They obviously beat Lufkin last week. Collins had three touchdowns. Um, so just continuing to use that um, defense, um, their defense is doing really well. Um, I think they just need to continue to maybe not, you know, give up points, easy points there, um, whether it be right before halftime or in the second half. We saw, you know, Lufkin almost did catch up to them there a little bit, but um, the defense was able to stop them, and they do have the guys to do it. Um, and, again, special teams, obviously, they have the momentum um, from last week of what they were able to do with Lufkin. So I think really this week is just about focusing on um, honing things in, um, continuing to improve. That way when you do get to Magnolia West at the end there, um, you have some confidence. You have guys who have um, more experience and, and hopefully a couple wins in your back pocket. Um, so. Well, Abigail, I think we've covered everything we, we have. So water, yeah. Um, thanks again, everybody, for tuning in to another week of the Brazos Sports Preps Cast. Be sure to catch all of our high school football coverage at theeagle.com. Tweet us your scores at Brazos Sports and follow Abigail and I on Twitter for the latest updates. So we'll be back next week, breaking down more action here in the Brazos yeah. Valley. Some playoff games. <laughs>